I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Darwal people. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. More or less, it, it was a place that was sort of designed for, for 18-year-old me, current age me and 60-year-old me. So far, I think that a lot of people get it. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. La La La's is one of Wollongong's most tenacious live music venues. Described as part dive bar, part art space, and part live music venue, La La La's is simply something you need to be part of. I'm joined today by licensee, venue manager, and all-round friggin' legend, Nathan Stratton. G'day, Nathan. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Such a pleasure. It's been a very long time between drinks. How the hell are you? Yeah, no, really good. Really good. There's a little bit of sunshine in Wollongong today, so that uh, makes it even that little bit better. It actually feels like the first day of spring, even though we're kind of, you know, maybe four or six weeks into it. But yeah, uh, really good. Yeah, it's about bloody time, isn't it? It's just like time for everything to dry out and for us to kind of have a little bit of, of bright sunshine on our horizons. Yeah, I reckon so too. Nathan, being part of the bar scene goes quite a way back for you. Tell me about how the bar bug got you. I I think it's sort of funny. I, I, I sort of got into hospitality by washing dishes, really. Um, I, it's one of those sorts of things where I, I, I never really sought uh, out for it. Um, but as I said, yeah, I, I liked, I was washing dishes not long out of school and and it was it started off as a job for me, um, just to fund my uh, my sort of passion for music. I, I didn't really ever think I was going to have a real job. I decided that I kind of wanted to be a musician. Um, so my yeah, to, to pay the rent until I was be, to become a rock star was to wash dishes. Um, um, so I, I, I sort of after a couple of years of doing that, I realised that you know maybe the rock star thing wasn't going to happen. So uh, I might try and you know find a, a another career i guess and um sort of move my way from washing dishes to to, to slinging beers and and um I, I guess in in my sort of late teens early 20s um as a sort of you know born and bred wollongong uh fella i um saw a, a, like a need of well, the, well the, there wasn't uh, didn't seem to be a place for me um, there, there was, you know, there was a pub down in, in, down down the road called the Oxford that where a lot of people found themselves home, and, and I, including myself. But I, I saw that that there wasn't really anything for people like myself, and felt comfortable, and, and I just felt like it didn't. I think most of the the bars in Wollongong at that time weren't really. Um, as good as they could be for, 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 you know, for Wollongong. And I felt like that's sort of where a little bit of drive for me started. Um, so, um, I, I like on that, the journey to where we got to now was, you know, for, I was at, at uh, the university of Wollongong uni bar for, um, it must've been close to like 15 years. So, um, um, and about like a, a bit over ten of that, and as a, as a managerial role, um, to sort of give myself a bit of experience and and, and build up a bit of knowledge base, um, mostly around um, live music, um, um, but you know obviously uh, with food and beverage as well. And 
I guess we get, I came to a little bit of a point there that um, I felt like a bit more comfortable in my knowledge base and then thought it was time in 2019 to start my own thing and that's how Lola Loz sort of began. I mean, talk to me a little bit about your days at Wollongong Unibar because I know that was kind of quite formative and you had some epic live music acts in your time there. Does any particular gigs stand out? Yeah, there was there was so many. Um, I guess that when when we started, um, you know, the, I guess we, we all always had uh, you know some great spaces for live music on campus, but we we I guess we weren't. I, I didn't feel like we, we were doing enough of it. Uh, when I started, I think we might have been doing maybe about eight shows a year, and that was mostly you know o parties and and more you know your, your typical sort of student party events. Uh, by the end, we had. Um, we're doing a bit over a hundred a year, so it sort of um, it, it really opened up um, the space to the greater community and 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 lots of cool, diverse stuff. I think probably one of the um, the my favourite shows, or, or, or I guess a, a feather in the cap for us was Death Cab for Cutie because that was um, we we're on the same touring circuit as I think they're playing the Opera House the next night. So that was like that gave me a lot of satisfaction that that we'd we'd got this you know this venue um, and, and and like to to be yeah on on the poster next to the opera house like you know there's there's the to to be not comparing ourselves to the big house but you know uh, being on the same poster was was pretty cool you know. Absolutely. I mean, I actually think, you know, Death Cab Cutie was a bit of an album for my uni days as well. Uh, you actually, you said earlier that, you know, you, you were trying to um, make it to be that rock star, but you uh, have been incredibly successful uh, in your uh, in the band Shining Bird, where you play bass. Congratulations on that. How does your experience with playing live gigs around the country kind of help you when you're operating your own venue? Thanks. Yeah, it's been, it's been like yeah, it, like the, all those uh, I guess um, high school kind of dreams have really been fulfilled playing uh, with Shiny Bird and, and and some of the you know all you know close friends of, of mine and ours. Um, but um, you know, it, it's been a, you know like fantastic. I guess in the last ten years of having most of my time away from work touring. Uh, with Shining Bird it's been a great insight to see what other cities have as far as live music spaces Um, and again um, it really um, you know showed that Wollongong didn't have like a live music focused space um, at the that sort of small to medium capacity and you know we're a pretty intimate sort of size of you know you know, 170 odd for in our live music space, um, but that, that's ideal size really for for Wollongong. We didn't have that 150 to 300 cap room, like even like a lot of um, a lot of capital cities have that. Like, um, I guess we had that um, sort of difficulty um, even at the Unibar days of just our room being a little bit too big um, to um, just to, it just needed to reflect our population pool and we're not quite as big as Sydney so we needed to have that that space and, and as I said when we were touring with Shiny Bird we I got a good insight to how other people uh, how do, how they do it and and how to make a um, you know a space that uh, musicians can feel comfortable not a subsidiary to 
the football or, or, or whatever might else be going on. There's a funny thing that where I like you know I you know I'm I'm too young to know the uh, the days of you know pre-pokey kind of um, sort of stuff, um, but I can imagine before then that, that you know you would have felt a little bit more more welcomed because to get people into into pubs and bars you needed live entertainment um, and that seems to have been replaced by pokies um, in a lot of places. Um, so yeah, like it, it's um, you know it, it's been really valuable to be able to be out of benchmark um, while touring around the country um, to bring back some ideas for, for us in Wollongong and, and, and to start our sort of first venue here. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how much Wollongong's changed. I'm um, terrible. I've spent most of my time in Sydney and, and never get to the gong. So how have you seen, if you know, if you were to kind of describe to me, how have you seen the Wollongong drink scene change in the time that, that you've been around? Yeah, well, I, well, the good thing is that, that um, uh, a lot of people are coming back. Like, I, I think that, like, you know, not too dissimilar to yourself, have, have, have made the pilgrimage to, you know, Sydney or Melbourne or, or further afield. And, and um, you know, there's been a lot of hard work, I guess, for the people that have, I wouldn't say been stuck behind Wollongong, but, you know, there's been a few people that have been really trying to change our sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of hospo kind of footprint and, and, and there's some really exciting things that have happened I guess in it's, it's probably I'm just I'm just riffing here on on, on years but I, I feel like maybe 10 years ago might have been the, the first small bar in Wollongong uh, you know that was the Otis bar which was on um, you know on, on Crown Street and that that later became the Little Prince which is down the down the laneway from from Lala's and I think that kind of changed the game, um, you know, as far as things being a little bit more, um, you know, Melbourneian for the lack of a better word, um, you know, and being just a bit more like cocktail drink focused instead of, you know, the things that I you know, got used to, which was just those sort of booze barn kind of, you know, uh, type stinky, sweaty, yucky places um and the sort of yeah um kind of just sort of gave it a little bit more of a um a bit of a vibe and i guess there's there's a lot of bars that have spawned from there and and then started to get their own identity so it's 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 like it can be quite a nice bar hop um wollongong now because you can kind of um you know find your different wine gin bars whiskey bars um, and yeah, and those stinky, smelly places still exist too. If, if you if you get to that point, and that's what you need to do, sure, there's always a space for that, I guess. But you know, so th- there's, um, I think I think Wollongong has changed quite quite a bit. It, there's still like, it's a funny it's a funny town, uh, funny city. I think that we're, you know, we're no we're no longer that that sort of working class still city, but we kind of don't really know how to not be um so we, i feel like that we're, we're in a little bit of a uh, sort of hold yeah like it's sort of nearly a holding pattern transition for, for becoming a little bit more white collar and i think the the the, the success of the of the university of bringing um, um you know a, a lot of uh, you know international domestic students from you know just all different backgrounds and and just different flavors of 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 uh, of, uh of influence and it's a kind of a really exciting kind of time I think because um, 
yeah, like there's just, um, it's just, it, it has changed a lot because it, it, there's just, there, there is something for, for everybody kind of thing. And, and we've, we're blessed with like, you know, in, like the, the environment of this area is, is you know, the, the secret is finally out that we're, most people that grew up here can't afford to live here anymore. But, um, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's starting to get where it needs to be. There's still a lot of work to be done, but uh, we're not quite the 24 hour, seven days a week city, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's getting better. And, and, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun than I think than, and less scary um, than, than what it was when I was sort of 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny that you say that. I mean, I, I spent my time in Sydney and was desperate to get back down to the South Coast, but it was always a question of how long, you know, and do I need to save for, for before I can afford to, you know, buy down that way and thrilled to be back now, but it certainly took some time. What was your inspiration for like opening La La La's? I mean, where did you kind of, when you, when you imagined it in your you know, in your mind, what did you want to create? Was it, like you said, something that you just thought this is what is missing in 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 the gap of what's happening in Wollongong or did you want to recreate something else that you'd experienced? Yeah, I, I there's been a few things. I, I Like with all that talk about Wollongong, when I was younger, I really wanted to get out of Wollongong. Um, and, um, and I think that I craved something that wasn't here. So there's a bit of inspiration of a bit of a fantasy of, of, um, you know, making something that, um, that didn't exist and, um, and something that I thought might've been like, you know, somewhere more exotic, like in Europe, which I hadn't really had the opportunity to see at that time. Um, but you know, that's how the, the idea started. Um, uh, but more or less it, it was, pretty much a place that was sort of designed for, for 18 year old me, current age me and 60 year old me. Um, and, and, and that it's, that's, it might sound boring, but I guess it's kind of, um, reasonably simple, but complex. Um, so I, I wanted to create something that was some of it, like, I guess when we're talking about small bars and whatnot, can be a little bit pretentious um, um, at times. And I think some of the, the, the booze barns don't have that comfort that a classic pub does. And I guess I wanted to create something that, um, you know, I hear stories of, you know, you know, our parents kind of era of, you know, when, you know, when, you know, you could have everything, you know, everything was cheaper and there was no restrictions on what you could do and all these kind of things. So I guess I wanted to try and create a little bit of a taste of that, but also sort of a bit more of a modern feel that we're, you know, you can have some exciting different cocktails and, you know, a, a bit more of a progressive wine list. And, and so having those sorts of, you know, a nice cheap lager, but also having something that, you know, a little bit fancy as well at the same time. Um, and it's one of those sorts of things that where I, I think the most important thing for, um, for uh, in particular a hospitality business is that to have that identity. Um, and I actually, before we opened, I thought that was a really simple answer and it, your identity can change a little bit. And, and, and um, I feel like we're still 
evolving a little bit. Um, but it's but the the basics of it was that you know that that where I needed to try and make the uh, you know past, present, and future me happy, and hopefully other people um, enjoy that, and then. <laughs> And then we'll just, you know, so that's kind of how we opened. And then so far, I think that a lot of people get it. Um, I think they understand not necessarily it's about, you know, the things that I enjoy, but I think that, you know, like-minded people are, are after that and, and, and see that, um, that experience, um, you know, when, when they come here. Yeah. You know, there's so much that you just said that I, I agree with. And I think that, you know the the art of a good dive bar, like you said, s- seems simple, simplistic, but actually is pretty layered. And I and I think you know there's got to be an element of debauchery, but also I think w- what you've said in that kind of you know uh, past, present, and future you is that you're kind of wanting everybody to feel comfortable or have some interest in, in walking into a venue that way. And and I think that that's so important that, you know, anyone that finds themselves, whether it be 3am or, you know, that 4pm kind of hour, if they wander on in, there's something there for them. There's something that piques their interest and that they feel comfortable. Because like you said, there's a lot of cocktail bars out there that like you said are pretty pretentious you know you're paying 28 30 bucks for a cocktail you can only really afford to stay for one drink and you feel uncomfortable and it really takes the element of the whole hospitality thing kind of out of whack so i think that you've nailed down exactly what um a good a good venue should be and that sounds like Wollongong's pretty lucky to have you uh Tell me about um, lockdowns and the pandemic, obviously detrimental, not only to Hospo, but live music in particular. Um, how did you survive during that time? Wow. Yeah, that was, so we opened in November, 2019. So then we were, I think, uh, three months, three and a half months before we were closed to the lockdown. Um, it was really, it was really difficult. Um, we had uh, like the, the strange thing about lockdown is that it was the sort of the uh, the pause button I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for uh, but then it came and then it was yeah uh, yeah yeah totally um, so you know we had we had an ex- really interesting start so we had some like some some licensing DA issues for the few months that were open um, before we all closed down that was all uh, rectified sort of mid lockdown so um, which was so we had a lot of restrictions on our license to start, and then we had it all lifted, and uh, and we had a uh, our extended of trade and whatever that which we got that certificate from Liquor and Gaming. Uh, I think it might have been June of 2020. So that was a sort of a bittersweet day. Um, but you know that we 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 spent most of the time just uh, writing grants. Um, trying to um, get rid of all, like the the these little hidden overheads to try and um, to, to uh, just sort of stop hemorrhaging the money that we're losing while we weren't open, and then then we had a bit of fun of just trying to as restrictions eased from time to time. That where we we did a little bit of a delivery um, bowl shop type thing when we're allowed to do takeaways for that for that hot minute. Um, and we pivoted and did all sorts of uh, strange little things that like we did. We ended up doing a lot of shows when, when, when we could reopen at a restricted capacity, which we're normally at a capacity of 196. We were um, reduced to, I think it was like 45. 
and we had to be seated and one of the bars or was stripped out and we put stools so you could sit down and watch a show and um, we had all sorts of funny experiences with those as, as a lot of um, hospitality venues would have had of where you, when you could stand but you couldn't dance and, and trying to understand the definition of dance and the definition of a dance floor uh, when you need to wear a mask and uh, when you don't and when you should and the, the vaccination stuff it was um, it was quite a time um, and yeah like it's we only managed to, thankfully, with as I said, with a we, we you know we had from some support from the government and um, a very understanding staff base. Um, yeah, we managed to limp through. We're still sort of digging ourselves out of the hole, but um, you know, hey, it's nice to be uh, nice to be having some you know some regular like regular trade. And yeah, now we just like the maybe the the sun to stay out for a bit longer. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing, I think, that time's really taught us how resilient and flexible maybe we can be, but also uh, I certainly saw the support of, you know, really good people of, of, like you said, when you, you know, a bar decided to do takeaway or, or you know, a little pop-up bottle shop. It's it's really, you see the best of, of you know, the people that support you and the locals that, that get behind it, which is really nice. So hopefully that's all behind you and uh, like you said you can move on to just maybe that little bit of pre-planning like we used to do you know like a, like a good operation where you actually thought about what was happening in the next three to six months and uh, could actually plan for for a future yeah that would be lovely yeah I'm just sort of the the you know as we all found out you just couldn't couldn't look much further beyond the the day um, you know for the last couple of years so it'd be really nice to be six months ahead of the game and be just a little bit more organized and yeah hopefully uh you know just yeah just keep doing some exciting stuff yeah yeah fingers crossing everything for you tell me a little bit about what what pe- what are people drinking these days i mean last time i went out in Wollongong, it was um vodka red bull i'm sorry Smell to say but <laughs> yeah probably double blacks what's happening these days i mean what do you, what what is the requests and you know is is it craft beers and uh, espresso martinis or what's happening down in, in the gong beverage wise? It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we have a pretty diverse sort of calendar. So obviously um, we've got downstairs with our dive bar and upstairs being a live music venue with their live music stuff that fluctuates quite with the, with the genre. It's a bit fun actually to try and really see what people are going to drink and, and, I also like to throw in a few educational kind of things that just people might want to have something a little bit different. Um, but I think, you know, at the moment we're, you know, we're sort of, we're sort of going down, which I'm still, I like, I'm, I'm still learning too. So it's just like at the moment we're, we're going through a bit of an Amaro phase, uh, which has been a bit of fun, but, um, but yeah, so the Montenegro in particular, that seems to be, you know, seems to be a bit of a hit. Um, and sort of the rum and Monty and, and uh, mezcal and Monty and whatnot. Um, but, you know, the, we're, we're kind of uh, like, you know, we're typically, you know, our, our lagers and, and, and pale ales are, I guess, they're probably the biggest selling beers. Um, we've got a lot of nice crafty stuff, which will, you know, um, you know, it seems to be maybe we're getting a little bit over the hill of it, but you know, the over the last you know little while, I think 
sours become very popular. Um, and I think that we're, when we first opened, that was, um, you know, um, probably nearly, you know, selling one for one with some of the pale ale. So it's been kind of cool. Um, we're kind of been trying, being a more um, sort of natural minimum uh, intervention wine focused. Um, and that seemed to be, I'm not sure about your experience in Sydney, but um, that seems to be sort of like a pretty strong kind of movement in, in, in Wollongong, in particular northern suburbs of Wollongong seems to be, that seems to be the, the flavor of, 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 the, of the month or the last couple of years, I guess. Um, so that's been kind of fun to try and, um, I, I don't know, just sort of maybe get some, some cool wines that might, might be appealing to, you know, younger kind of, um, you know, muso kind of demographics, in, you know, away from sort of maybe a typical vodka, lime and soda kind of crowd. So that's um, that's been a fun kind of journey and that, that's something that I'm still learning a lot about and I, I, and I, and I really enjoy um, trying to um, – because I guess there's, there's, there's some of these sort of winemakers that we're – that you know that that are maybe a little bit more rock and roll than than you know the some maybe your traditional stuff that your your parents or your uncles and aunties might be might be drinking and and you know just, just yeah it's like you know the, an orange orange wines for us do really well and um, and some of the things are a little bit more funky it still can like you know rattle some people where if they're just coming just for a straight up you know Marlborough Sauv Blanc and we don't have any in the fridge it seems to be you know Sometimes we need. I think we still need to be able to work out how we can uh, politely uh, turn it into an education session. But um, yeah, that that's um, that's that's totally sweet. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess um, yeah. I think you mentioned espresso uh, martinis. I think that was espresso martinis and margaritas are our biggest selling cocktails. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, I'm impressed that you do those because, I mean, sometimes, you know, with staffing and, and um, you know, live music and a lot happening, sometimes you've got to put limitations on what, what is actually happening behind that bar in ter- terms of just churning out drinks. So I'm actually impressed that you even do an espresso martini because I think sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, it's more on pulling beers on tap and doing kind of those mixed drinks that... Um, yeah, that's that's, that's of- a benefit for us of having like like our sort of like downstairs dive bar that where we can put a little bit more focus in the cocktails and the sort of um, uh, you know more labouring uh, invested sort of drinks. So the and upstairs is um, um, you know we'll, we'll keep things a little bit more simple. You know, focusing on on you know just drinks that are built, not shaken, and and um, just so we can you know keep keep a, a steady steady uh, stream of service as well uh, because yeah it can get it can get uh it can get busy upstairs for sure yeah and the last thing you want to be doing is waiting in line when you when you're missing out on music i hate that you know I've, even festivals these days you go to see something and you're back in like an hour and you're like man what did i miss that sucks so tell me a little bit um about you know what you love most about your job if if i was to say you know the last time that you kind of walked away after a day and you were just like super stoked about just how the day went, you know, what do you love most? Oh, look, I, 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 to be honest, I think it all, I I asked myself that question a bit, um, 
uh, and sometimes, um, most of the time, to what 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 I, it's kind of making people happy in a, in a strange way. Like I'd I'd like to think about like it's, um, you know, money driven and and whatnot. But especially the, one of the good things about uh, well, if there's anything to come out of COVID is that um, you sometimes you've got to you've got to focus your energy on other things other than just the the bottom line and. And in particular, the live music stuff, um, when you see people like generally having a real good time and, and just facilitating a, an artist to be on stage and giving them the opportunity and giving that, that, that punch the opportunity to see their favorite act is, um, yeah, that, it really warms the cockles. That's, um, that's, yeah, that, that's a really good reminder of why you put, put in the hard yards and, uh yeah so i think that that's that's what, what that's what gets me back every morning i think yeah for sure i love that you know i think people seeing live music often they can be counted as some of the best times of your life you know and and you know like you said dancing and being a part of of a community and feeling like you know you're you're entrenched in in a group of people enjoying something together it's kind of you don't really get that feeling many other places in the world so I think that um you know now that we can dance or jump around or whatever it may be and and actually you know listen to some great artists it's truly something that's so special in life and it's so great that we're able to have venues that um facilitate it so Nathan I want to ask if um if you know we take bar out the bar scene out and we take music out of your life which we we don't want to do but what else can we find nathan doing to entertain yourself um i'm a really bad golfer uh which is um that's what i kind of do on a monday oh actually no like actually i did get have a hole in one so that's kind of one thing that like you know I'm, i'm i'm bad but that somehow i fluked that um so that's typically what i i really like doing like i I was a really keen cricketer uh, when I was younger and, and I still am and, and I still play a little bit of cricket. But, um, yeah, I, I, golf seems to be a, a nice e- – maybe I'm the sounding that I am getting older, aren't I? But that sort of seemed to be – that's the – I still have a little bit of competitive sporting itch and that sort of – I seem to – I seem to – yeah, that that seems to be a, a good one. And, um, and, and it, it's a good way to fill a day – um, it's a, it's a good walk and, and I have a little bit of a rule playing golf is that's probably the, the only time that I, I, I can't have an alcoholic beverage. I try and keep that for a nice, you know, five hours without a drink or whatever. I'm not saying that I'm drinking all the time, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, and then, um, I think it's just that that's my sort of good well being kind of way where I can reset and clear my head. And then after a round, like, you know, we'll have a, have a, have a, have a beverage or, or, or whatnot. But, um, but I think that that's one of the, one of the, one of the things that, um, I enjoy doing outside of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you feel like you've earned it when you've kind of, you know, I mean, I have to say I have in my time been that scotch girl that gives people scotch on the ninth hole and poured drinks for people which I can't say I really enjoyed but um I I think that you know like I'm I'm big into swimming and I think you know when you're at the beach 
I don't want booze at the beach. And, and I, I get it. You're outdoors. You're just kind of in the moment and, and like you said, doing something good for yourself. And then when you sit down and you've, you know, like you said, if you played 18 holes, that's a fair, fair whack of time. So I bet that beer tastes a lot better at the end of the day. <laughs> totally, totally, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so if you could only drink three beverages for the rest of your life, Nathan, what would they be and why? Mm, interesting. Um, I... The first thing that comes to mind is I really like a light to medium body red, like something like a Pinot. Um, and I, the reason for that is I, I just, I just feel it's just that the drink, it's just, it's just so beautifully drinkable. And I think with those lighter body reds that if it's a bit hotter, I, get, I like to, you know, put it in the fridge and let it chill a little bit. And, and I think that that's just a really good uh, scoffable kind of, red wine that's I, I i feel like just i i like context is everything for me drinking so uh, if you said three i feel like that's going to be a little bit tricky because I, I i i i like everything within context of 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 whether it's the weather or what food you're eating or, or the company you're having um there's you know this there's there's so much out there but yeah let's let's um I'll, we'll just say Pinot Noir, just to just to, um, uh, to to give you a definite answer on number one. Um, secondly, I would probably uh, see probably Cooper's Pale Ale, I think, um, I th- or any particular Pale Ale, but but that that seems to be the the sessionable one for me. That where there's enough flavour in there to to keep you interested, but. You also, you know, it's it can be a lawnmower beer as well. Like it's something that you can ch- chug and and and, um, and 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 enjoy. Um, and thirdly, I would say just like a like a good nitro stout, like a Guinness or whatever. I think that we're now I think about I think you know how like a lot of people say that like uh, summer is good for you know for drinking I feel like cold like colder climate is 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 far better I think and there's like lots of other it's a bit more conducive to to whiskies and ports and and fires and conversations so you know at a at a nice cozy pub with a with a really nice cold Guinness in in front of a roaring fireplace would be yeah I could quite easily do that. Um, for the rest of my life, for sure. Yeah, Guinness is a good drink. I have to. I think you've always been a Guinness drinker, haven't you? I've like, I, like, um, I, I remember one of our close friends, old school friends from the Aussie days, Dan Galloway. I remember he's he's his dad, who's sadly no longer with us. But I remember when we were when we were kids, we were like, well, just turned eighteen. Um, I remember Ken bought us a, a four pack of Guinness. And he had no longer been on the drink, but he bought it just so he could watch us enjoy it. And I, um, and I've kind, I, I, I think you can eat each time I have a Guinness. So I think that's where it, the the love of Guinness started. And um, now you can insert the fireplace and and the rest of it, and you've you've got yourself a real good time. I yeah, I totally agree with you. It's such a good drink. And Cooper's Green, I would never say no to a Cooper's Green. And I'm a big Pinot fan, so. You know, we've got plenty in common, as we always have. (laughs) Nathan, it's been such a pleasure catching up. It's really great to hear about how well you're doing. I haven't got to La La La's yet, but I will, I promise you. And 
thank you so much for joining me and taking some time out of your day. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks. Listen in every Thursday on your podcast app. Follow us on Instagram at overaglasspod.com. And contact us at overaglass at deepintheweeds.com.au.